9.32, Sports Central, till 10 o'clock tonight. Thank you for being along for the ride. My name is Mark Harmon. He's Andy Mazur. Hope you're all hanging in there and doing the best you can during these crazy times. Kevin Kaduk is doing that. He started a newsletter, which sports fans should be reading every day. It's the Midway Minute. Kevin used to be with Yahoo, and then he's like, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. And I think he's trying to get Ozzie Guillen's number retired as well. And he, joined, <laughs> and, he, and he joins us now on 720 WGN. What's up, Kevin? Hey, guys. How's it going? We are we are wonderful. How, how's it going starting a new Chicago website slash newsletter in the middle of a pandemic? Nice Nice timing by you. Well, I started on February 10th, which was uh, three months ago. So I got a month of sports, a month of spring training, a month of bad Blackhawks and Bulls <laughs> basketball, and then the pandemic uh, hit. But, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. The, um, my readers every morning seem to like it. You can sign up at midwayminute.win. And, you know, the Bears have had a, you know an entire regular host of news from the draft to free agency to the schedule release. So there's been that. And, with the Bulls front office, there's been plenty to write about that. So I think as we go into the summer and there's maybe some more plans to reopen or figure out how Bears, the Bears are going to stage these games this fall, uh, it's going to be pretty interesting to follow. And we uh, we went through the schedule, and uh, I came up with 7-9. and nine. You boldly predict <laughs> 10-6. and six. Uh, uh, You know, is that, uh, is that something that uh, you really, truly believe in or – <laughs> well, it's hard. I actually looked and I came out with nine and seven on Thursday night, and then I looked at what everyone in the Tribune was predicting. Uh, all three or four writers were saying nine and seven. Then I looked at the Athletic, and all those guys are saying nine and seven. So I said, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm one of those guys that wants to say they're going to be sixteen and zero every season, right? I'm that of super course, fan, yeah. I'm that kind of idiot." So I said, "Okay, I'm, I'm going to get a little, you know, a little." Uh, optimistic here but you know seven and nine i think obviously is is in play um i don't think they're going to be a bad team i don't think they're going to be a great team so when you're looking at the nfl you know two or three different games go one way or the other and and that's that's your season so i i definitely think that they could win seven games i would not be surprised they could win 10 and i I wouldn't be surprised either one thing that you underlined uh, was that look the season may or may not start on time, but if it doesn't, yeah. the games are going to be floated on the back end. Which I think I think that's a, I think that's an important thing to remember here. Like if if it doesn't mm-hmm. start, you know, September the thirteenth, then we're going to be playing games through the end of January, and they might, and then the Super Bowl is going to get pushed back. Which I think is yeah, you know that, that if that actually went on, that I don't know the Bears are having home games in January, right? I mean, that, that, if you're a season ticket holder, I would, I would, I would be calling up over there and say, "Can I get a little bit? Of, can I get a discount on this?" Which I don't think the Bears are going to be offering. Yeah, I think that would be actually kind of crazy. And uh, what's interesting to me is that if that happens, then the Super Bowl is getting pushed back into February or March. And um, you know, if we gave up March Madness this year, I think I'd maybe take the trade. We had like March Madness weekend with the Super Bowl in the middle of it. That'd be kind of cool, right? Think about what might be happening, though, in uh, in January, February, and March if this continues the way it's continuing yeah. and college basketball moves their season back, college football moves their I mean, we could have, seriously, four or five different sports if the NHL picks back up and the NBA picks back up. We're talking about six or seven options for, for, those, for that time of year. Yeah, and you're forgetting the Masters. And, and the Masters, the right of course, yes. And everything, so it, 
it could be a big payoff here. But you know, the other thing too is, will there be fans in the stands? You say it's going to be cold. Well, there might, you know, the only people that might be out in the in, in the stands are the people manning the television cameras. Yeah, that's crazy. So you did uh, one of the things you wrote about recently was uh, you did a great piece on John McDonough and mm-hmm. some stuff he was doing with. Uh, a young lady by the name of Cammy. Can can you share about that, Kevin? It's really really great stuff. Yeah, so I, I, um, I think people are probably maybe somewhat familiar with uh, Cammy Babiars. Uh, she was a young girl in one of the Blackhawks ads in 2015. Uh, she was um, skating with Duncan Keith. She was born with Rett syndrome, which has left her with the uh, uh, inability to walk or talk. And uh, her her family um, her. Her father, Bill, I went to high school with a Driscoll Catholic, and, and they've been always big proponents of her and have tried to get her to live as more, as normal of a life as possible and have a lot of experiences. And one of the things that they did in 2013 when she was four years old was they wanted to have her meet the Stanley Cup. And uh, her mother, Jackie, grew up in Edison Park and had a friend who worked in the Edison Park, Park Chamber of Commerce and they arranged for to meet John McDonough so she could touch the Stanley Cup and get her picture with it and, and all that. And from there, John McDonough just sparked a really great relationship with the family um, and it, to the point where they would come out to all sorts of games and the Blackhawks really got behind her and started you know, fundraising for international Rett syndrome to kind of reverse this. It's a very rare disease that only affects 1 in 10,000 people. And, and and John just really really took to it, and I think a lot of people see John as you know kind of a stoic and and kind of um, you know he can kind of be an intense guy. I think I think that's maybe you know part of his reputation, but there's this other soft side, and he really took to Cami and and sparked a great relationship. So you know after his departure from the Blackhawks, there wasn't really a lot to write about because I think both sides have taken kind of a low profile, and I knew this story existed, so. I wrote it, and uh, it, it seems to be doing pretty well. It's, it's kind of taken off on Facebook and, and Twitter. And, um, you know, if, if people want to go check it out, it, it's, it's right there at uh, midwayminute.win. Yeah, and that whole campaign that the, the Blackhawks did uh, really took off, not just with uh, with Cammy, but with some other youngsters that uh, that the Blackhawks right. really wrapped their arms around. Uh, you know, I'm looking through your, looking through your site, and you know, we've been talking about the last dance uh, here quite a bit, and uh, mm-hmm. I know you have some thoughts on that as well. What have, you been, what have been your impressions so far? I think it's been pretty great. I mean, I think I'm, I'm 41 years old, so I'm right there in the sweet spot. That happened when I was in high school and early years of college, and I think you guys are the same. So to relive that has, has been awesome. Uh, I thought this last the, the past week when it was great with with Charles Barkley and the, the Knicks rivalry. The one thing I mean, I think that there's some some criticism. I, I think that maybe that's just maybe a little too much of the myth making, which. Which is fine. I think we like that with Michael Jordan. You know, he's our Babe Ruth. He's our Muhammad Ali. We don't really want to tear down the heroes, but I still don't think that we maybe quite know the real Michael Jordan. This almost seems like a little bit of extension of the, the Nike and the Gatorade and you know McDonald's marketing. But um, at this point in time, that's all you can ask for, right? I mean, it's it's entertaining. Every Sunday night is like an event. It's like you know tuning into watch. It's like a combination between a great sporting event and. Remember when the Sopranos used to be a good thing? Everyone was tuning in on, on Sunday night to watch that and then dissect it afterwards. That's kind of what the last dance feels like to me right now. It's funny that you say the sweet spot, like at, at 41 and I'm 46 and Andy's older, 25. Uh, but right, we're all in, we're all in this quote unquote sweet spot. And yeah. you know, we had Sam Smith on last week, 
and I'm texting and with him afterwards, and I'm and I'm basically trying to make the argument that Phil Jackson should have stayed mm-hmm. as long as Michael wanted to play, that he owed it to him. And you know, Sam's like, well, that's that's what you do, right? You you live <laughs> your life for other people, like who would ever right. who would, so and. He's basically, but he's like, I appreciate the fact that you still have this romantic notion that that's how it, it should have ended. And mm-hmm. I just said, like, look, for somebody who was 11 years old in 1984 when Jordan was a rookie and you lived through the whole thing, you have there's nothing to be other than sort of romantic about the whole era. Right, like, and I, th- I yeah. think, and like him retiring. The more I'm watching the way this is unfolding. Like it, it created this thirst for him to come back in '95. That people were so worried they were never going to see him again. That he mm-hmm. comes back and plays, and it just made it even bigger from there because you know you you felt the loss of him not being around. Uh, yeah, the, the interesting thing I think though is I, I think people feel like maybe did, do you feel unfil- unfulfilled that they didn't come back in '98 '99? Yes, I, I don't really, I, do. I, do. I, I really I don't. I for for whatever reasons. It almost just seems like two perfect bookends. And I know, you know, it was blown up early and they would have had a good shot at, at winning a shortened season because of the lockout. But I've never really felt like, oh, we really missed out on something. I, it, it, I don't even really mind the fact that, that they went two years in between those two three-peats. I mean, I guess it would have been kind of cool to see them win eight in a row. I mean, of course it would have been, but I also don't think that was possible, seeing how hard it was to win all of us. I mean, they made it look easy, but it also was very hard, too. Yes. Um, so I don't I don't really get the sense that they I – don't, I, I don't feel like I missed out on it. Well, being the elder statesman and having gone through a lot of <laughs> disappointment in my, in my uh, Chicago uh, rooting career – you yeah. can never get enough, and I think that that was kind of the problem where everybody thought, "Hey, listen, if he's at the end of his line and he's at the end of the rope and he can't play the game anymore, all right, I get it." Right. But he can certainly still he could certainly still play at that point. And look, if they had lost, I would have sta- I would have given a standing ovation as they walked off the court mm-hmm. and cried my eyes out, and we would and we would have <laughs> known that it was officially over. And this leaves a little bit of a what if. Yeah, that's true. You go on top, right? I guess I don't know. I, I, I like the fact that Michael Jordan didn't lose his last series with the Bulls, right? I mean, look at what uh, we're kind of going with the Blackhawks for the last couple of years. Hopefully, that you know, Kane and Taves have their big send off, but um, you know, it, it was nice to see Jordan go off uh, at, top, at top with the Bulls. He, did, he certainly didn't with the Wizards. And why don't we, as we're coming up against the clock here, Kevin? Let's get your prediction on the Hawks as far as where they're going from here. Mm-hmm. I think it's you know it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, they have a, a, a young core of talent. I think that that needs to step up, and obviously, they they really need to shore up that uh, that bottom half of the, the forward core. When you know, looking at the, all the cup teams, the, the third and fourth lines were really the unsung heroes, and that's something that really hasn't existed the past couple of years. So, hopefully, um, you know, Stan Bowman gets to work and and kind of finds a, a few diamonds in the rough. Uh, to shore up that roster and get the help that uh, you know the, the two cores need, I guess. Anybody want to take a guess at who's going to step into John's seat? <laughs> uh, that's a great. That's a great question. But I uh, mean, Stan's a candidate. Yeah. I would think maybe they maybe they move Stan up and he hires a GM. I, I don't know. Uh, Jay Blunk's got to be a candidate. We Pete Hassan, who's been with the organization for a long time, maybe they go outside uh, and, and yeah, bring in I, somebody with a fresh look. I don't know. 
there's something to be said about continuity. I think all the great organizations have some continuity. So if, if one of those two guys who you just mentioned, or three guys that you just mentioned, is up to the task and can do it, I, you know, I wouldn't be averse to it. Yeah, Kevin, great stuff, man. Congratulations on the Midway Minute. Even in the middle of a pandemic, you got it rolling. So thanks for jumping on. And by the way, thank you for pointing us in the Andrew Goldberg direction. We enjoyed having him on tonight. You had a great piece on him as well. He's a great guy. He's uh, he's really interesting. I like his quest. But uh, thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> thanks, Kevin. Thanks, thanks, Kevin. 386 uh, tickets to go. <laughs> and, Who would have thunk, huh? And by the way, uh, I, I'm getting some uh, Twitter action here, Andy yeah. Mazur. Somebody is, is sending our guy Andrew Goldberg a ticket from the Cubs-White Sox game at Wrigley, Thursday, April 7th, 1994, 305 oh. first pitch. Guess how much a bleacher ticket was that day? Probably like five bucks. Six bucks. Yeah. Six six dollars to go. And the hit against Dave Otto. He had the double off Dave Otto. Can you name the uh, the other hit he had? Was that it g- Chuck Krim? It was Chuck Krim. Yeah, Chuck Krim. <laughs> Why do I know these things, Carm? I, I think that be, I I feel like that one might be because we've spent a lot of time together the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, I guess you're right. Chuck Krim, man, he had a nasty curveball. Yes, he did. But he, number 32, right? Number th- Now that is impressive. Yeah. Chuck, what was Otto's number? 53. Wow. Sean Dunstan? 12. Let me give you Thad Bosley? Uh, 28, I believe. 27.